I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six-week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR or HR director, or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level. And the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you. Or you can learn more by going to my website, Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. Welcome to the first episode of the HR Coffee Time podcast, a podcast that I've created especially for you to help you have a successful and fulfilling HR career without having to work yourself into the ground in what can be a really busy and demanding role. I'm your host, Faye Wallace, and it is wonderful to have you here listening. If we haven't met before, I'm a career coach and an outplacement specialist with a background in HR, and I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about how to feel more confident at work. And it's something that happens to so many of us. I can't tell you the number of people who I have coached over the years, who at some point or another say that they would like to work on their confidence in a particular area. So if you're listening to this and you've been doubting yourself and not feeling confident, but thinking it's just you, please, please, please know that you are not alone. It can be so easy to think that everyone around us is filled with confidence and knows exactly what they're doing and feels great about doing anything challenging. But actually, that really isn't the case. Not feeling confident is something that affects almost everybody at some point or another, no matter how successful and together they appear to be to everyone around them. Because confidence can be a slippery little sucker. One minute, you're feeling pretty good about yourself and your work. Everything seems to be going well. And then the next, something happens that makes you question yourself, worrying about either your abilities or panicking about what other people think of you. And Unfortunately, there isn't a magic solution to suddenly feeling more confident overnight. If there was, I'd probably be a multi-millionaire. <laughs> but 
there are lots of things you can do to start building it. And I'm going to talk through some of those ideas for you now. I'll start off by telling you about some strategies that can be useful if you just have a general feeling of not being very confident, but you can't really put your finger on what it is that you're not confident about. And then I'll move on to suggest some ideas for building up your confidence when there's a very specific issue at work that you're not feeling confident about. So for that, I mean things like maybe you don't feel confident speaking up in meetings or you don't feel confident about handling a tricky boss or a tricky coworker, or perhaps you won't put yourself forward for a promotion because you just aren't confident enough that you'll get the job. So let's start off with the first part. I'm going to start with the things that I think can really help your confidence overall. And the very first thing is please, please, please stop expecting perfection of yourself. So the first step with this is to take a step back and have a think about how much pressure you're putting on yourself to be able to do things perfectly straight away, because this can have a really big effect on your confidence. My absolute favorite book is called Mindset by Carol Dweck, and it had a really big impact on me when I read it, and so much so that I ended up buying copies for loads of my family and my friends, and I've had clients who have ended up buying the book for their entire team after they've discovered it. So what is it that's so amazing about the book? Well, through her research, Carol Dweck realised that people either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. So people who have a growth mindset tend to be more resilient, they're less self-critical, and they can bounce back from setbacks much more easily than people who have a fixed mindset. The key difference between the two types of mindset is the way that you think about natural talent and how much of a factor you think that talent plays in being a successful person. If you have a fixed mindset, you'll believe that talent wins over hard work, that you are naturally good at some things and bad at others. You may view people who have been very successful as special and having something different about them to the rest of us. But this can stop you from taking action because you might think that you're not talented or special enough to succeed, or it can show up in ways where you take setbacks incredibly badly if you think that you are talented in a particular area, but you haven't succeeded at a new task straight away, or you haven't achieved a goal that you're working towards. You might feel that you should be able to do this thing straight away and that you're a failure as a person if you haven't succeeded at it. Whereas on the other hand, if you have a growth mindset, you will have discovered the power of the word yet. If you find something hard, it just means you haven't mastered it yet. That it's a skill you can learn, you can practice, you can take on feedback and you can get better until you're really excelling. You know that if you fail at something, it doesn't mean that you are a failure. It means that you can learn from the experience and work out how to solve it in another way. I think that the book had a big impact on me because although I wasn't thrilled by the idea that I had a fixed mindset, I wanted to read it and be able to say, oh yes, look at me with my growth mindset. I could relate to an awful lot of what she was saying about fixed mindset. And you might be listening to this and have a growth mindset and you're completely comfortable with failure or you don't find yourself putting certain people on a pedestal. But if you're listening to this and any of it resonates at all and you start to think that you may be approaching life with a fixed mindset, 
I'd really encourage you to think about being kinder to yourself and coming up with some strategies to help you move more into a growth mindset. So think about how you operate at work and how you view achievement. If something isn't going quite as well as you'd hoped, does that mean it's the end of the world? Or does it mean it's something that you can learn from to do better from next time to improve and grow? Then the next piece of advice moving along is all about identifying your strengths. Strengths and skills are ever so slightly different. You can be highly skilled at something but not particularly enjoy it. So being told you're good at it or realising you're good at it doesn't necessarily fill you with confidence or make you feel particularly good about yourself. But what's different about your strengths is that, yes, they are also highly developed skills that you have, but instead of feeling a bit flat or not really bothered when you're using them, you're much more likely to feel energised and fulfilled. But they also come to you quite naturally and easily. And the problem with that is that it means you might dismiss them as actually not being that much of a big deal. And you probably don't even realise that to other people, they may be viewed as quite impressive. Other people around you are probably watching you and thinking, oh gosh, they can do that one particular thing so well. I wish I could do that. And you will probably have been receiving feedback, just little comments here and there, or it may have even been formal feedback sometimes with people around you saying things like, oh gosh, that was brilliant when you did that. But because you don't realise it's one of your strengths or that doing that is more challenging for other people than it is for you, you, you probably just dismiss it thinking, well, it's no big deal. What on earth are they making a fuss about? And that's why it can be helpful to spend a bit of time digging down and figuring out what your strengths are. Because once you start to recognise that this is something that is quite unique to you and is a real strength, it can help you to build your confidence in yourself because you start to realise, oh, there are these things that I am really good at that not everyone else is able to do as easily. So really, I suppose it's the flip side of what I was just saying about mindset and the need to focus on thinking that we can always improve and bouncing back from setbacks and you don't have to be fantastic at everything straight away and that power of yet. So the flip side of that is, yes, there is such a thing as natural talent, of course there is, and perhaps your strengths fall into that area. It's well worth spending some time trying to figure out what they are. But how do you do that? Well, there are lots of different ways you can do it. And a really simple way, probably the quickest way, is to just ask for some feedback. So ask the people who know you well, the people who you work with, your friends and your family. You can ask them what you think your strengths are because for a lot of our strengths, we will be using them in work and outside of work. They'll cross over both of those areas. And while you're asking for this feedback, it's a good idea to say to everybody that you ask for the feedback from, can they give you an example of when they've seen you using a particular strength? Because what I've realised is that that can help it to bring it to life and really help you to acknowledge that you do have that strength and have it sink in. But another way of figuring out your strengths that can be incredibly helpful as well is to take a strengths finder assessment. And to do this, you just need to buy the book, which is called Strengths Finder 2.0. It's written by Tom Rath. 
and you'll find that at the back of the book there's a unique access code that lets you then take the StrengthsFinder assessment for free online. But when you take the assessment, just beware that there are different versions of it available. So when you go onto the website to take it, it will probably encourage you, oh, just pay a bit more to unlock all of your strengths. Well, I really don't think that you need to do that. The assessment that's included for free as part of the book will tell you your top five strengths. And that is good enough for you to be cracking on with. So don't worry about being sucked in to pay more than you need to. So once you've done that assessment, you can then download some detailed reports that describe your strengths and they also explain what those strengths look like. So they have some really helpful examples for you to read through and think about and to again try and absorb the information, really believe in yourself and that you are doing these things. My top tip is to read through the whole report and then highlight all of the parts that feel very true for you. Because there'll be some bits where you think, mm, I'm not sure, actually that doesn't really feel quite like me. And other bits where you'll think, oh my goodness, it's like the person who invented this assessment is looking into my soul, it's so accurate. So you only really want to be paying attention to the bits where you get that feeling of the person is looking into your soul. So highlight those. And then once you've finished highlighting them all, see if you can just note down in the margins some examples of when you know you've been using those strengths. Again, all these things just help to really reinforce it for you and to fully embrace the fact that these are your strengths and things that you're good at. And all of that can help to build your confidence. And with that, let's move on to the third tip. And this is to notice the progress that you're making. Make the time to actually pay attention to the fact that you are making progress. We all are. We're not treading water. You're moving forward, you're developing skills, you're achieving things, even if they're little small wins. And in fact, for most of us, our achievements are a series of little small wins that then all add up to big achievements. Because it can be so easy to just be constantly looking ahead, being focused at this big future goal and not recognising the value of the progress that you're making along the way. And if this is something that you find hard to do, I have a really simple worksheet to help you with it. I'll make sure that I put a link to it in the show notes for you. And the title of the worksheet is Tracking Achievements. The idea behind it is that at the end of each week, you just sit down and write down three things you did well that week, or three things that you're really pleased about, or three things that you're proud of. And they can be small things. They don't have to be massive, huge things. You'll notice that there's also a section on there for writing down the achievements that you've noticed your team members making. Because of course, although I'm hoping that all of this advice is going to help you personally, it should work for everyone around you as well. So if you're working within a wider team and you've got HR colleagues, I'd really like you to encourage you to help boost their confidence as well by pointing out what you think that they've been doing well, particularly if you're in a senior role. It will mean the world to people around you to realise that you're noticing their work and acknowledging it. Then on the sheet, there's a bottom section that asks you how you will acknowledge or celebrate these achievements. 
and that's around the idea that yes, it's great to be keeping track of your achievements and noticing what you're doing and what's working out, but if we really want to cement it and give ourselves a pat on the back, then it might actually be worth celebrating them, particularly if you've hit some big milestones. And this isn't something that I'm very good at doing myself at all, but there is a reason why at certain points of our lives, ceremonies are built in. So, you know, when you leave university, for example, there's normally some sort of ceremony where you put on a gown and you go up to receive your degree from someone who works there and everyone's clapping while you do that. And that happens to mark the fact that you've achieved something. So although I certainly don't think that academic success is the be all and end all at all, maybe there are things we can learn from the experience of celebrating those sorts of achievements and then pare that down to think about how we can celebrate the small things or the big things that you and your team are achieving. So that might look like just going out for lunch together, even having cake and coffee together, or putting something in the company newsletter about what your team has been doing. It just has to be something to mark what's happened to help everyone feel fully appreciated. Not only will it help bring you together as a team, it will also hopefully build everyone's confidence as well in themselves and in the team. So next is the fourth tip, and that's about holding on to positive feedback holding on to signs that you've been doing a great job. So if you've received an email from somebody you work with saying, thank you so much, that meant the world to me, that was a huge help, then file that email away somewhere. Create yourself a little folder that you call praise or positive feedback within your email folders. And it might feel a bit cringy when you think about doing this at first, but if you're having a tough day, and your confidence has taken a real knock and you're thinking, oh, what's the point in all of this? Then having a look through all of those positive comments can really help give you a lift and help pep you up and bring your confidence levels back up again because you're probably receiving a lot more positive feedback than you realise. It's just that day in, day out, where we're really busy and there are goodness knows how many emails flying around and so many queries to deal with all the time, a lot of the time, little thank yous or little comments about your work being appreciated or the fact that your work has been seen as being really good, they can just sort of wash over us. There's this strange thing where we seem to be able to take on board negative feedback and let that seep into our souls and really affect us much more easily than we take on positive feedback. For some reason, we can be a bit like Teflon. Positive feedback just bounces straight off us but having that little praise folder that helps the positive feedback to penetrate through the Teflon and sink in. And you don't have to have a folder in your email if you don't want to. You might have a little notebook where you note these things down, or you might want to print the email off and put it into a physical folder where you can keep everything together. It doesn't just have to be emails either. If someone has said something to you in a meeting or in the hallway or on the phone, then you can just write a little note of that in your notebook. Pop the date in and write down, this person said that I did a great job with the presentation again, or whatever the positive feedback is that you've been given. If you're not used to this kind of thing, which most of us aren't, it can feel a little bit uncomfortable at first and a little bit strange, but I promise it really can work. 
And that brings me to the end of all these general tips around confidence generally, and the things that I think can be a big help to pretty much all of us. So next, I'd like to move us along to some more specific ideas around other challenges to do with your confidence. If instead of a general feeling of just lacking confidence, you have a particular area that you'd like to work on, then let's cover that off now. And for this advice, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share with you some of my favourite and most useful coaching questions that I often use when I'm helping people with their confidence. So let's begin. The very first thing that I'd suggest doing is writing down exactly what it is that you don't feel confident about. Because once you're able to narrow down the exact things that you're lacking confidence in, it's much easier to come up with a plan to tackle them instead of just having that horrible feeling that you're not confident at anything at all. Because most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, there are actually just one or two things that we're struggling with, with our confidence, but they can start to feel so overwhelming that they can begin to feel bigger than they have to be. And writing down the things that you don't feel confident about at the moment can also help you realise that, well, actually, if it's just this one or just these two things, that means there are a lot of other things that I am confident about and that I am doing well with. So perhaps you're not confident about job interviews or maybe you're not confident about speaking up in meetings because you're worried that you're going to start shaking like a leaf or say the wrong thing. Or it might be that you're not confident about handling a tricky colleague at work and that difficult colleague could be anybody. It could be someone from another team, it might be your boss, it might be someone you work with day in, day out. Or perhaps your confidence is around delivering presentations. You are certainly not alone if that is the case. I know that is something that really worries a lot of people and you absolutely dread the idea of being asked to ever do that. So once you've identified what it is that you would like to feel more confident about at work and you've written it down, Underneath it, I now want you to imagine that I've given you a scale of zero to 10. Zero means you have no confidence in yourself whatsoever at being able to do this thing. And 10 means that you are supremely confident. There is no way in the world that anyone could be more confident than you at this particular thing. So think of that scale and decide. Where does your current confidence level sit? What number can you give yourself? Is it going to be a one, a two, a three, a four, a five, etc., etc.? Where on that scale are you? And remember for this, you're looking at between zero, which means no confidence at all, and 10, which is supreme confidence. So go ahead and quickly write your number down. And no matter which score you've given yourself, I'm going to start off by saying to you, well done. Because if you've scored yourself a one out of 10, that means you're 10% of the way to actually hitting the highest number of that scale. If you scored yourself a two, you're 20% of the way there. If it was a three, you're 30% of the way there. And you get the gist. It keeps on going up depending on what the number is that you've chosen. Next, I want you to write down where you would like your confidence to end up being on that scale. Do you want to be scoring an eight comfortably on the scale or would you be happy with a six? Think about what number works for you and write it down. 
If your current confidence level is quite low, it's probably not the best idea to put down that you're working towards a 10 because that's going to feel overwhelming. Let's just take this one step at a time because when you've moved your confidence along a little bit, then you can build on that and move it along a little bit more. It's all about thinking about your comfort zone, your growth zone, and your panic zone. So for most of us, we spend a lot of time operating in our comfort zone. It's a nice, warm, and safe zone to be in. It's where we're just using the skills that we feel very, very comfortable using day in, day out. We're not really challenging or stretching ourselves. So it's a lovely, safe place to be. The only downside of it is that if you stay in that comfort zone all the time, you're not necessarily going to develop and progress and you're probably going to start feeling a bit bored. And in fact, a lot of people, when they're thinking, oh, why don't I particularly like my job anymore? It's because they've stopped growing and so they've got bored. Obviously, there are lots of other reasons too, but that is one factor to think about. Then just outside of that comfort zone, is the growth zone. And this is where you start to try out new skills, new things that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. So you might feel a bit nervous, you're taking tentative steps into here, but you go ahead and do it. Of course, the more times that you practice or try those new skills, the more comfortable you get with them. So eventually, Things that have been in your growth zone, they'll eventually move into your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is expanding all the time if you keep on growing and developing. But just outside your growth zone is the panic zone. That happens if you set yourself a really big challenge without breaking it down into steps. So you're going from naught to a hundred overnight and that panic zone is not a nice place to be. So if you're lacking confidence about something, you're often in that panic zone. And that's when the whole idea of fly <laughs> say it right, fight, flight or freeze comes into. So that's our sort of pri primordial, is that the right word? <laughs> that's our sort of primordial response as human beings to danger. So you'll either want to run away from it You'll want to get really aggressive and fight it, or you'll freeze and not do anything. So we don't want to push ourselves into that scary panic zone. Let's try and keep ourselves into the growth zone so that this becomes much more achievable. So if we think of this in a real life example for a moment, let's say you feel nervous speaking up in meetings and you very rarely say anything. If you do speak up, you feel absolutely terrified. Well, you'll probably be putting yourself into the panic zone if you then think, right, I'm going to make myself chair a meeting for the entire department. I'll run the whole thing and I'll be the main person who's speaking. That's a huge leap. But if you can come up with something that takes you into the growth zone instead, it's going to, yes, you'll still feel a little bit nervous, but it's much more achievable and you'll be building your confidence while you're doing it. And actually, I'll share some examples in a few minutes or a couple of minutes of other people who have put in steps around feeling more confident in meetings that are definitely in that growth zone instead of being in that panic zone. So then let's come back to this scale. 
So you've scored yourself on where you currently are and you've also scored yourself on where you want to get to. The next thing to think about is write down what achieving this new level of higher confidence would look like in reality for you. So what would be different to now? What behaviours and skills would you be displaying so that you know you do feel more confident? So for example, if the confidence gremlin you're tackling is around job interviews and you want to move from a three on your confidence scale to a seven, perhaps a seven means that you'll know how to answer the questions you're asked without your mind going blank and also that you'll not be worried about physically shaking when you're in the interview because you're so nervous. Or if perhaps you want to feel more confident about handling a tricky colleague, and again, you're working towards a seven on the scale, that might mean that you've found a way to stop the colleague from talking over you in meetings or from dismissing your ideas publicly. It's going to really depend on you and what it is that you're trying to achieve. So the next thing I'd like you to do is to take a moment to think about, right, how then can I move myself along the scale so that I am achieving these behaviours and these results that I want? And you don't suddenly have to leap from a three to a seven. You can think about it in little steps. I thought that some coaching questions that I use might be helpful to share with you to help you figure out what these steps could be. So you can ask yourself these questions or ask someone else to ask you them if it's helpful to answer them out loud and have someone else to talk to about it. My very first coaching question that I really like to use around this is, think about a time that you lacked confidence about something before, but you overcame that. What helped you to do that? What steps did you take? And hopefully that will help you to reach back into your memories and realise that, oh yes, there are lots of time in life that you haven't felt confident about something, but you have managed to move past that. You will have moved past it because you've done something. So try and figure out what is that something that I did before? Is there some way of using that thinking again to overcome this new confidence challenge? Then another coaching question that can be quite powerful is to ask yourself, if a friend had the same struggle with their confidence as you do, what would you recommend that they do? What would you suggest that they do to feel more confident? Now, this can be a really powerful question because often we find it much easier to see solutions for the people around us than we do for ourselves because we're able to remove some of the personal, emotional and the worries that are swirling around us inside us about ourselves. It can also be helpful to think about the people and resources you can turn to for support. So for example, you might decide you want to have some training or that you'd like to ask for some mentoring from someone at work who is really confident in the area that you're not confident in. Whatever ideas you come up with, they will be unique and personal to you because you've thought of them. And I truly believe that the best coaching is the kind that encourages you to find your own solution because then you're much more likely to feel committed to it and to believe in it because you've come up with it yourself. I thought, I already mentioned this earlier actually that I'd be sharing some examples, but I thought it might be helpful to share some examples with you of how I've seen this work in practice. And so these examples are all from 
coaching clients who I've supported over the years to help them with building their confidence with meetings. I've heard them invent all sorts of fantastic strategies to move themselves along the confidence scale. And the ideas are usually really simple, but they end up having such a big impact. And the interesting thing, well, for me it's interesting, that I've realised is that although they all wanted help with feeling more confident in meetings, their reasons for wanting that help or the things that they were struggling with around confidence, they were all slightly different. They all lacked confidence in slightly different ways. And this is true for confidence with most things. Our confidence gremlins are our very own. They are holding us back in their own way. So we need our own personalized plans to tackle them. Right, so the first example is one person who outwardly appeared incredibly confident. So she seemed so confident in most of her interactions, but inwardly, she felt nervous about speaking up in meetings, particularly large meetings where there were a lot of senior people present. And she was worried that it was holding her back in her career because she thought it meant that she wasn't really able to impress those senior people who were in the room and that that could potentially get in the way of her proving that she was ready to step up into a more senior role. So while we were talking, she came up with some very simple ideas that ended up making just a huge difference to her confidence levels. She told me that she'd realised she was sitting almost curled up into her chair, pushed away from the table a little bit and sitting with her notebook in her lap in meetings and her head down, hardly ever looking forward. So she decided that she would start sitting right up at the table. She'd actually put her elbows on it so that she was leaning forward slightly to help her look more engaged in what was being talked about. And you know what? It worked. She found herself feeling more and more confident and actually speaking up in those meetings. Another person found that her confidence was being knocked because she wasn't being asked to contribute her ideas or her thoughts to meetings and it was really frustrating her. So she started sending out an agenda before the meeting. There hadn't been one before. And when she was collating that agenda and putting it together, she made sure that the points she wanted brought up or particular topics that she was an expert on, that they were included in the agenda. It was a really simple, again, simple, I keep using that word simple. Things just don't have to be complicated. It was a simple but really effective way of helping to create space for her in those meetings to add her own thoughts, feel more confident and actually have her own contributions heard. For a final example, this is another client who decided that they were always going to be one of the first people in the meeting room when there was a meeting happening. And he wanted to do this so that he could choose to sit facing the door. And then that way he was able to see exactly who was coming in and he could start to build up his confidence about speaking up by saying hello as they entered. He found that just by knowing who was coming in, he didn't have this sense of unsettlement that he'd been feeling before of, oh gosh, I don't know who's coming into the room. And he also found that by a simple hello at the beginning of it, it meant he had started speaking, even if it wasn't in the formal part of the meeting yet, but that really helped with his confidence. So if you're listening to these examples thinking, mm, they seem like such tiny things, I thought you'd have to start taking massive, drastic and scary action to start building confidence. 
I'm hoping that this will really help to reassure you that no, you don't have to take drastic scary action. A lot of the time, just giving yourself the time and space to sit down and figure out what it is about your confidence that you'd like to improve can make all the difference. Then you can figure out where do you want to get with your confidence and you can start to figure out small steps to help you get there. It all makes the world of difference. And just remember, keep that growth mindset in mind. You can always try your ideas out and if they don't work, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't matter. You can just learn from the experience, tweak it and try something slightly different next time. I really hope that you found this very first episode of the HR Coffee Time podcast helpful. And if you've enjoyed it, I would be enormously grateful if you wanted to rate and review the show for me, because I know that that makes a huge difference, especially to Apple when it's recommending and showing podcast shows to other people who haven't heard of them yet. And if you do decide to rate and review the show, please do let me know so that I can say a proper thank you to you. You can always reach me at faye at brightskycareercoaching.co.uk. Thank you so much and bye for now.